Streaming live 24-24-24-7. Radioinfluence.com. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders. Here are your hosts, Jason Floyd of the MMA Report and the president of Combat Sports Media, Sam Kaplan. Welcome in to the MMA Insiders Podcast right here on Radio Influence. Of course, I am Jason Floyd of the TheMMAReport.com. As always, joined by Sam Kaplan. Of course, we're brought to you by Fight TV, the go-to app for MMA fans and practitioners. It's your gateway for MMA boxing and pro wrestling video. You can download the Fight app free today by going to Fight, F-I-T-E.TV forward slash Radio Influence forward slash. Once again, that is Fight, F-I-T-E.TV forward slash radio influence forward slash and they will be have be the digital home for canelo versus golovkin coming up here on september the 16th hopefully uh there will be no digital issues there sam as of course there was some issues on saturday night for floyd mayweather and conor mcgregor i was obviously working a, a game while this was going on but you know during a game i have my my Twitter up tweet deck and one of the things that really jumped out to me and I don't know if you noticed this uh, on Saturday night by the way I, I thought you had some great tweets on Saturday night I saw but uh, it was interesting to me of how many boxing and MMA reporters were actually that were not in Las Vegas were purchasing this pay per view either via the the Showtime app or the UFC app as well I, I think it says a lot about where we are as society in court cutting. Mayweather versus McGregor. I thought we were here to break down Bellator 182. <laughs> Which, by the way, on, uh, let's, did, did let's, you talk, s- let's talk Koreshkov and and and, and Kajawani. Come did, on. Did you see the television ratings for that one? No, I did not. I did. 481,000. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. By the way, speaking of, uh, of Bellator, I broke this news a little earlier today. Uh, Alexander Shomenko has been uh, drug tested out of competition for his upcoming fight against Gegard Mousasi. Also, uh, King Mo and Liam McGeary have uh, submitted out of competition drug testing. So, uh, always great to see uh, Bellator's fighters getting uh, drug tested out of competition. Very nice. But let's get back to the main event, Mayweather versus McGregor. It definitely was interesting in that I had so many different options with regards to who I was going to give my hundred dollars to. Mm-hmm. And at one point I was all set to go with Comcast. I actually ordered the pay-per-view through Xfinity. <clears throat> and then I don't, I don't pay for HD, even though I have an HD TV. I don't, I like to give it Xfinity and Comcast as little of my money as possible. <laughs> so, you know, I, I paid, we paid the 99 and then we found out we weren't going to – even though we paid for the HD broadcast, they weren't going to give us the HD broadcast because we didn't – we don't pay the monthly HD fee. So there was an option to cancel. We canceled it, and we ordered it through Apple TV. I think it was either the Showtime app, or I don't know if you could order it through iTunes proper, but we, we, we ordered okay. it through Apple TV, and it worked beautifully. The picture w- was tremendous. There was no lag. It came in like it was a cable channel. And it was it was awesome, and it, it's and it was interesting that we're living in an era where we have the option now of where we order these these pay per views yeah. and, and this digital content. I, you know, 
I, I have Comcast, but I don't necessarily watch Comcast on Comcasts. I watch a lot of the, the, the cable channels through Apple TV with the Xfinity Comcast mm-hmm. user code that I have. Okay. It's, it's just so splintered and fractured. Calculating these pay-per-view buys is going to be a little tricky for for the UFC and Showtime and Mayweather and McGregor. The auditing process is going to be very interesting because you've got so many different providers now, so many different ways to order the pay-per-view. It's going to be real interesting to see how these numbers come in. And you're now trusting all these different sources to report accurately. And if there's a need for an audit, it's going to be one hell of an audit. And it seemed that the Mayweather people were, were pretty confident that it had broken the, the pay-per-view record, of course, which was, what, 4.6 million buys. Um, you know, look, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, I can tell you this for the, for the sports bar I do uh, marketing work for, uh, you know, at, it was at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon that we were sold out. You know, the, there was not a, a seat in the building left, and uh, there was a lot of people who were late, waiting till the absolute last minute, to, even though we had basically put together a, a you know, a marketing plan of a month long to basically tell people, like, look, you better wear your seat now before, you know, we get on fight day and, and there's not any seats left in the building. But it was... Uh, I, I think that the thing, and I talked about this on, on the post-fight show I did on, on Sunday, I, I think to me the the biggest, my biggest two takeaways were in this was that McGregor did not embarrass himself, and the amount of respect that Conor got from the boxing community after this fight was over. There's two ways, you know, I, I, like, I like to come on the show and give definitive opinions and statements, but watching that fight and having time to think about it now, it's been two days after the fight, there's really two ways to look at it. You can look at it from the perspective that Connor is a combat sports athlete that had never fought professional boxing before. And he went 10 rounds with the greatest boxer of our time Mm -hmm. and perhaps one of the greatest ever in Floyd Mayweather. Then you can look at it from the other side of the coin in that it's a tremendous missed opportunity because this was I don't I don't want to use the term shot fighter, but this is not the Floyd Mayweather that was even remotely close to his prime three to four years ago. It's the longest layoff in, in his career. He's 40 years old now. He looks the part, but he didn't act he didn't fight anywhere near to the level that I'd been accustomed to seeing. I mean, there are times, Jason, where Floyd completely turned his back to Connor while getting hit. I, I've never seen Floyd do that. I, I've just I've never seen anything like that. And the amount of punches that Connor was able to land was quite surprising. Some of that was Floyd deciding to adopt a more head-on style, which is completely counter to the style that he had exhibited during the entire his entire career. So, you know, seeing Floyd get touched up that like that was surprising. Yeah, he was trying to engage Connor more and anytime you do that you stand right across from your opponent you're going to get hit but I think some of it was just Floyd did not look anywhere near as fast as I remember you know he was I mean his level of quickness is just incredible and if you were watching Floyd for the first time or you hadn't seen a lot of Floyd you didn't see that you know there's a lot of people that this this is their first time buying a boxing Mm pay-per-view First time watching Floyd in real time. And, 
you know, they're probably saying to themselves, I don't get it. What, what, why does everyone think this guy is so good? Because in seeing that performance this past Saturday, if Floyd had fought Canelo, Canelo of today, not, not, you know, a couple of years ago, Floyd of today versus Canelo of today, Canelo wins that fight. Floyd fights Triple G, he gets destroyed. Floyd of today fighting Triple G uh, of today, he gets destroyed. Uh, you know, so this was the perfect fight for Floyd. It was an opportunity for him to come back and make another couple hundred million at age 40 against someone that had a name that he could also beat. Because if he had fought a top-level boxer on Saturday night, he would have gotten destroyed. So, again, Connor did not embarrass himself. He made a you know strong accounting of himself but you could also make the case that man you know if, if ever there was an opportunity to put a true l on floyd's one loss record that was it and you know as much as connor helped himself saturday night pales in comparison to how he could have helped himself had he defeated floyd mayweather yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that – I'm not shocked that Floyd essentially took the first round off. I, I kind of felt that would be the case, that he wanted to kind of see what, what Connor was going to offer him. I was kind of surprised that he took the second and third round off. Uh, Sam, I don't know how you, you scored the fight or even if you were scoring the fight as it was going on, but you know, watching it, my thought was it's 3-0 Connor after three rounds. I stopped scoring after the fourth round because if you followed me on Twitter at Sam Kaplan MMA on Saturday night, I said, hey, I've got Connor up 4-0. But depending on how you look at it, depending what perspective you're coming from, you could also make the case that it was 2-2. You have to realize it's Floyd's town. I mean, he he is that commission. He he They, they cater to every need that he has. So to think that Connor was going to get a fair shake in a boxing ring in Las Vegas it just wasn't wasn't the case. And, you know, my suspicions were confirmed when Steve Farhood, you know, started revealing the scorecards after the fight. And, you know, just looking at those scorecards, they were absolutely atrocious. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the boxing community, Showtime and, and Team Mayweather, they're lucky that that fight did not go to a decision because had it gone to a decision, Connor would have lost the decision. But the backlash would have been incredible. I mean, Floyd would have been publicly shamed into doing a rematch, which probably wouldn't have been a bad thing. He probably wouldn't have been opposed to that. I'm sure Connor wouldn't have been opposed to, to that because it would be an opportunity for them to come back and make another couple hundred million. But, you know, my God, we, we they, they, you know, the, the sport dodged a major bullet. It just, you know, as last week went on, it was just, to me, it was amazing how many people had kind of reached out to me about that fight after the fight. Um, you know, it ended up after, after the game was over when it, when I met a buddy and, and was talking to some guys and, um, you know, and, you know, look, there was a lot of people who watched on Saturday night that, you know, look, they're, they're not going to be watching UFC 215 and, and, and they may not even be watching Canelo versus GGG, which I actually think they'll be, you know, they got a little benefit from this fight just because there's, when everyone talked about this fight, you know, the Canelo GGG fight ultimately, uh, you know, came up there. Of course, uh, you know Dana White took his shot. Oscar I, I don't know. I don't know, Jason. I don't know. Is people might be interested in seeing it, but how many people can afford to pay for it now? My, oh, my no. wallet's a little thin. No, no. The, the, you know, clearly it's for the people who have that expendable income. I mean, you know, look for me in, in terms of you know I'm you know Sam. You know I'm a, I'm a football junkie. So it, it comes to uh, I I believe FSU is playing Miami that night at eight o'clock. So that that's where my TV is going to be. Um, you know, maybe, you know maybe I'll, I'll have it up on Fight TV or, or something along those lines. I mean, it's still it, look it's it's a great fight. It, it's the best fight that that oh, boxing awesome. can make. 
it's awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I want to watch it live. I just, I don't have the money to do so. I, I'm an HBO subscriber, so I'm just going to wait a week and watch it, watch the replay. And, and I uh, saw, and, and for people who are Showtime subscribers, they're going to be, uh, I saw that they're going to air it on this Saturday. So if you, if you did not fork over the hundred dollars, I mean, look, I saw some people on, on my Facebook timeline, Sam, that were, uh, were, were, were not happy with spending a hundred dollars for that fight. I, I, th- I thought if you spent a hundred dollars, it could have been a lot worse. I, the biggest surprise to me wasn't that Connor went 10 rounds. It was that it was an entertaining fight. Look, it, it was by no means a classic. It's not one of the better boxing fights that you'll see. It was very sloppy at times, but it was a, it was way more entertaining than I thought. It was there's a lot more action, and there's way more punches that that I ever anticipated being landed. And there's a lot of people that are that that are really tied into boxing that that you know they were surprised the same way. You know, Connor. I thought maybe would be able to land, you know, a couple power shots during the fight. I didn't think Floyd was going to stand there and go toe to toe, but he said after the fight that he felt he owed the fans, you know, a, a makeup after the Pacquiao fight, and he definitely delivered. I mean, this is not the Floyd Mayweather that I know that we saw. I mean, this was a completely different style, standing in front of his opponent and exchanging back and forth, you know. You know, during certain spurts in certain fights, if you go back and you watch Floyd Mayweather's fights, he'd mix it up here and there. But for the most part, if Floyd didn't want to get hit, he didn't he didn't have to get hit. And he was willing to take some punishment, willing to mix it up. And, I, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought the hype and the spectacle would be what entertained me. But the fight itself actually really delivered. Floyd delivered. Connor delivered. You know, it's, I didn't think I would say this, but I felt like I got my money's worth. I, 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 I hope I don't ever have to say that again, where I have to say that I felt like, you know, I paid for a hundred dollar pay-per-view and I got my money's worth. But but I absolutely did. You know, the, the undercard wasn't as bad as some people thought. I thought the FS1 undercard was terrible. But the, the you know, the, the two fights, you know, the uh, Badu Jack fight and the uh, Gervonta Davis fight, I didn't think they were bad fights. You know, I don't think they were great fights, but I don't think they were bad fights at all. I think a lot of the complaints that we saw stemming from Saturday's card came from a lot of people that had never bought a boxing pay-per-view, that had never watched mm-hmm. an entire boxing card before, because those two fights that were before the main event, they, they weren't that bad. But I think people are accustomed to the way the UFC does things, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's – it's – not the way it used to be in a sense where it's closer to boxing, where a lot of the shows are one fight shows, but there's still a lot of fights where you can pinpoint three or four fights and get excited for those fights. There's isolated situations where the third or fourth fight down from the card, you may actually be more excited or just as excited to see that as the main event. And you really don't get that in boxing. You don't get those loaded shows. You do get those in MMA. And I think a lot of people were surprised that you had a main event that so far overshadowed everything else. On that undercard, there was nothing that came even close to it from a relevancy standpoint. That that being said, I still think a lot of people are off the mark when they slam the undercard as being you know one of the worst of all time. They're just it's a lot of people that had never bought a boxing pay per view before watching boxing. A lot of people are freaking out about the delay. It's like I've got news for you. Most boxing main events they don't start until eleven thirty anyway. This one started shortly before midnight. That's not the first time something like this had happened in MMA. I think a lot of people are used to the main event starting 11 or a little bit after 11, but this is boxing. That's how it goes. You know, and after, once they went, once the Davis fight was completed, 
they kind of rolled right into the main event. The delay came between the Badu Jack, Javante Davis fight. That's where the delay was. But there was a lot of Twitter activity. Oh, the fight's going to be delayed. The fight's going to be delayed. I didn't think we were going to see the main event until 1230. But it, you know, came on just almost around midnight, which was, was a lot better than I anticipated. So a lot of people are freaking out because they're not used to how boxing is done. You know, I mentioned uh, when we did a show last week, I said that I was really interested to see how boxing and MMA could capitalize on this, and I was absolutely cracking up at your tweet on Saturday. Uh, for those who did not hear, uh, Top Rank announced a deal with ESPN. It's a rights fee deal, and Sam, when I saw your tweet about uh, the PBC, how the Top Rank got the deal they wanting for, I, w- I just lost it sitting in my office. I want to get off a little bit off subject, bringing up the PBC. Did you see the end of the pay-per-view when Floyd went back into the locker room and goes to greet Al Heyman? Al Heyman hiding from – I don't know what's wrong with Al Heyman. Is he, is he like an agoraphobic or a shut-in or something? You, you never see the guy, but we actually saw him. We actually – you know, there's a real guy named Al Heyman. I thought it was just like a <laughs> Kaiser Soze uh, type situation. But no, there was a real Al Heyman. He was in the back of the locker room. Brian Custer – multiple times refers to Al Heyman as Floyd's manager, as Floyd's manager, which that's a big no-no in boxing. You can't be the promoter and the manager. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have actually you know, cl- cried foul from a legal perspective on how Al Heyman has structured his business dealings. And then Lance Pugmire the next day in the LA Times. And Lance Pugmire is a guy that follows combat sports closely. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. Al Heyman as the promoter. So I'm wondering if all these insiders uh, that cover combat sports referring to Al Heyman as a manager, pardon me, I said, I think I said Lance Pugmire referred to Al Heyman as a promoter. He referred to Al Heyman as Mayweather's manager. You know, you're having these insiders refer to Al Heyman as the manager for Floyd Mayweather. I think that, you know, I'm wondering if that could somehow come back and bite Al Heyman in the butt. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really interesting because honestly, when when the the top rate deal came out, and I saw your tweet. My first thought was, is PBC still a thing? They're still doing it shows. Kind of is. It kind of is. It's usually like we talk about like certain incarnations of of brands and genres when they as it, as they progress, you go from so and so one to version two It's they went from version one to like version zero point five. You know, it's it's the PBC, but it's a shell of its former self. It's going backwards in exposure and brand identity and quality and quantitative, uh, you know, purpose. You know, the, 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 it's just – I'm surprised it's still even around. They've lost over $200 million. And the big play was to bankrupt the top ranks, bankrupt the, the, uh, the golden boys so that they would be the only man left standing at the end of the day – and they could convert their pay TV deals, their time buys, into massive rights fee deals to get maybe, you know, maybe uh, just get one partner to pay them a lot of money and start to recoup that investment and be the only man left standing, have a big TV deal with rights fees, and then be able to do giant big pay per views. And it's, it seems like they did a great job of building infrastructure and building an opportunity for top rank. You know, it's it's just crazy that. They spent over $200 million and they have so little to show for it. And Top Rank was able to weather the storm. They go from HBO to ESPN, which from a prestige standpoint in terms of boxing, some people might say that's a, that's a, a step down. But in terms of actual 
rights fees and, and, and income and revenue, it's a massive step up. I think it's a brilliant move, Sam, honestly, because it, it, I think we may have talked about it on the podcast where, you know, Bob Aaron brought up the point of, you know, hey, if someone goes out on a Friday or Saturday night and we have a fight on HBO, we're not going to be in a bar. You know, you're just not going to have, a, you know, you know, very limited bars are going to have HBO. But in terms of I don't care what bar you go in across this country, everyone's got ESPN on. So it, it, to me, it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, you know how how that does work out for top rank. I mean, and, and they're putting their big fights on HBO too. And and I think at the end of the day, it's just great for uh, you know fans of combat sports who are going to be be able to get those fights. But to, to go back, you were you were talking about the ten round thing. Well, dude, sorry to cut you off. We can talk about the ten rounds. But did you see John Nash's tweet about HBO? Made a, he made a real interesting point. He said with Showtime having PBC. And also, you know, the money team fighters and now HBO, exclu- I mean, uh, ESPN exclusively having top rank. Boxing on, on HBO yeah. is kind of downsizing a little bit. And John kind of suggested that we may see a time here where HBO completely gets out of the boxing business, which would be a stunner because for so many years, mm-hmm. HBO was the gold standard of boxing telecasts. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, I think I've seen Kobe kind of mention that o- over the past couple of weeks. Uh, in, in terms of the ten round things, we got a question about this. It's saying, it's saying so since Conor McGregor went ten rounds with Floyd, and even won some rounds, is it a black eye for boxing, or is it okay since Floyd still got the finished? I don't think it's a black eye for boxing at all. Hardcore boxing fans seeing Floyd Saturday night, they know that that's not the Floyd of old. That this was an aging fighter on his last legs, coming back for one opportunity to do this larger-than-life fight and cash out another couple hundred million. So I don't think it really is a black eye for boxing at all. One question I have for you, Jason, and I want to go back because we talked about how you could make a case that, yeah, 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 you know, Connor did better than everyone thought. He didn't embarrass himself, but it's also a missed opportunity. Do you feel that maybe in that missed opportunity – you could point fault in some of the decisions that were made. And the biggest, to me, the biggest question mark is Owen Roddy. And, and Owen Roddy is a great striking coach, but that's the, the operative phrase there is striking. The operative word is striking. He's a striking coach. He's not a boxing coach. You look at Connor's stance and they adjusted a little bit. Connor's pretty much always fought as an, at an angle. Not He doesn't necessarily square up his opponents in a traditional MMA sense. He's fought as, at a, a little bit of an angle, you know, as a result of his, you know, heavy traditional, uh, traditional martial arts routes, you know, be, uh, roots being a karate guy, um, somewhat unorthodox. But they, they, they made some nice adjustments in, you know, turning him a little bit because you can't square up your opponent in boxing as you do in, in MMA. You, you make yourself too much of a target. So they made some adjustments there, but I was shocked at how little power that Connor was able to generate on his punches. And I'm not a boxing expert by any means, you know, at all, but I've trained boxing. I've trained boxing with boxing coaches. I've had formal boxing instructor. I'm not saying I'm good at boxing, but I've gone in and I've worked in a ring with boxing coaches. And, you know, the one thing that I learned was a lot of your power when it comes to boxing, comes from your hips, comes from your thighs, comes from your core, doesn't necessarily come from your arms. And you know, when you fight the kind of stance that Connor was using, Connor's so used to 
you know, chambering his punches and getting power from pivoting, whether it be, you know, a spinning back kick or Superman punch. It's always a pivot type maneuver almost where he lands his most powerful shots. And another thing that really hurt him, I think, is wearing an eight ounce glove as opposed to a four ounce glove. Because if you look at Connor's knockouts in MMA, they're not necessarily from power. They're from accuracy. You go back and you watch his knockouts very closely and he's hitting guys on the chin. He's hitting them on the side of the head near the temple. I mean, these are very precision uh, precise shots. And that's one thing that I learned in traditional martial arts that I wasn't necessarily trained in, in MMA is in traditional martial arts, they teach you not only to throw a punch, but you're supposed to target that punch for a specific area. You're really supposed to break down the anatomy and punch to, you know, knock someone out and, and punch them in the most optimum, optimum spot possible. And with the, with the eight ounce gloves, Connor wasn't really hitting any of the big knockout points. So to me, looking at this, you know, and I want to get your take on it. It wasn't a mistake to go into to this camp with Owen Roddy as his primary boxing coach, essentially, and not bring in a true boxing coach, a world-class guy, not working with a guy like a Freddie Roach or someone of that ilk. Instead, keeping his team pretty much the same exact team as it is for MMA. I think it was a mistake. I, I think he should have brought in somebody. I, I don't know if you saw someone had a tweet basically saying that his cornermen looked like a bunch of bartenders on fight night. Like they're they're working a high class place. Did you, I don't know yeah. if you saw that tweet or not? I, um, but I, I think I think you have to sit there and think it, it was a mistake not to bring a, a pure you know boxing trainer in there. That that's what they do. I mean, I think how how could you say it wasn't a mistake? And and, and you know and the cardio also hurt him. Yes. I think. I think Floyd's Floyd had the perfect strategy to, to, to let Connor get his shots in early, you know, force him, you know, let Connor work, let him put forth effort so that he would not finish strong. I mean, as the fight went on, Floyd got stronger, Connor got weaker. That's just, that's just the reality of it. I'm not saying Connor quit, you know, is weak, but he, you know, he did not get stronger as the fight went on, you know, and, and Floyd did. So I, I think another thing that you can look at is, you know, spending money and working with, Ido Portal, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I mean, Connor's movement and a lot of his unorthodox style, it doesn't come from Ido Portal, like a lot of people claim. It comes from the fact that he spent so many years training traditional martial arts and was able to maintain those techniques and adapt them to MMA and come into the sport of MMA as a different fighter and, and just a different type of striker than what most people train for and are used to seeing. He should have brought in a cardio specialist and he should have brought in a boxing coach. And, you know, I'll give plenty of kudos. I mean, it, as an MMA fan, I'm proud of the way Connor acquitted himself. But again, it all goes back to a missed opportunity. How much bigger would Connor have been coming out of this had he knocked off Floyd Mayweather? The, the, it, it would have been huge. I mean, he made hundreds of millions while at the same time leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table by not training 100% properly. It was they I'm not saying his camp did a bad job. In a lot of aspects they did a good job, but if ever there was an opportunity to beat Floyd Mayweather, this was it. And I think not having a a a boxing coach in there, not having a cardio specialist in there that could work with Connor and make sure that lactic acid wasn't going to build up and take its toll. You know, the, the the you know, a lot of people when they claim that Connor was starting to quit, I don't buy that either. I think Connor, you know, one thing that I do, another thing that I know from fighting, you know, lactic acid is a real thing. And what that is, is, you know, a buildup 
of acid in your muscles and it slows it 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 takes what your brain the, the message that your brain is sending to your limbs to, to to move them there's so much acid built up in in your arms and potentially your legs that you physically can't move them it's not a question of trying to push yourself and sucking it up and gutting up and gutting you know and gutting it out it's almost like a form of minor paralysis you just cannot lift your arms and i've been through that and a lot of other athletes have been through that if you train the right way in boxing though you 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 get over that you know and and he should have been a lot stronger in round 10. He just should have been a lot stronger. And I just think having an MMA camp, keeping your camp the same, almost the exact same, unless there was something that Showtime All Access and the media missed, unless there were people coming in and out of there on the down low and the cameras just didn't pick it up, by all accounts, it was the same exact team that he used. And credit to Connor for being loyal, but you could still he could have still incorporated a couple of other specialists into that camp to give himself an even better chance to win. Speaking of stock, we got asked this question about if we feel Connor stock went up, even in defeat, um, you know, and also asked about Mayweather stock where it went up or down. I think for Mayweather, it honestly doesn't matter because I don't think you're ever going to see him fight again. Um, you know, look, I think now becomes the interesting part with Connor McGregor is what's next for him in, in terms of, you know, while him and Dana White may have been on, on good terms, uh, in, in the build-up of this fight, you, you know, heading forward, it's probably not going to be the greatest of turns because, you know, Connor's going to collect. You know, at, we'll see how much this pay-per-view comes in, but we know he got a thirty million dollar check on Fight Night. Um, you know, a lot of people speculate that ultimately he's going to walk away with a hundred million dollars. You know, and I just kind of feel like this: if McGregor ends up fighting in the UFC again. To me, it's a co-promoted event between the you know Zufa LLC and, and McGregor Sports and Entertainment. It's very interesting that after the fight, Jason, that Connor was quoted as saying that he mm -hmm. is a free agent. Well, the reality is he's not. Not from a legal, true legal pr perspective, he's not a free agent. He, he still has fights that he owes to the UFC, and essentially they are also his boxing promoter. He can't just branch off and say, you know what, I'm a boxer now. You don't have my boxing rights. No, that contract lays it out and spells it out. They also control, you know, his other combat sports endeavors. So he is not a free agent, uh, at least not an unrestricted free agent, not a restricted free agent. It's like we, we talked about last week. He's an exclusive rights free agent, if you want to look at it from a certain perspective, in that, that his current UFC contract isn't worth a damn right now. It do doesn't mean anything. He can't fight for anyone else, but if the UFC wants him to come back and they want to capitalize on him and make tens of millions of dollars on his name – they're going to have to negotiate new terms for him to come back and fight in the octagon. It's just that Connor doesn't have the opportunity to be a true free agent and go to the HBOs, the Showtimes, or ESPNs, or even Viacom and Bellator and say, hey, I am a free agent. You saw what I did this past Saturday night. The numbers are coming in. The box office is huge. Let's talk. He can't do that. Legally, he cannot do that. And I don't know how many fights he has left with the UFC, but you know, he does have FU money now, and, and he might tell Dana FU. And, and the UFC FU, this is what I want. I, I, I you know, they were, they, they were all buddy, buddy during the weeks building up to this fight. But Jason, I think it's headed for a really ugly long period of, of turmoil. I, I think that what we saw last summer when Connor was not on good terms with the UFC, I think what we're about to see here, Jason pales in comparison because the numbers just don't add up now. It just doesn't make sense. 
it's going to be tough to fit Conor McGregor into the UFC business model because Conor's done it. You have to take your hat off to Conor. He did something that I didn't think we'd possibly see in our lifetime. And you can challenge me on this, Jason, if you don't if you don't agree. But I think Conor is bigger than the UFC now. I don't think he, I, I, you know, in my opinion, he is 100% bigger than the UFC right now. Oh, I wouldn't disagree with that statement. I mean, it, it's, at, at, it's at the end of the day, like, everyone knows Conor. And you know the, the letters UFC, but can you go into a sports bar, let's just say this weekend, it's a holiday weekend, Sam, so whether it's Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, can can those people name five active UFC fighters besides Conor McGregor? You know, I, I think I, some I, people, I, I think a small amount of people would be able to, but the vast majority would not be able to. No, and that's and that's a problem the UFC has to deal with. So I would not disagree with what you say that that Connor is bigger. I also find it very interesting of how much Leonard Ellerby is uh, very positive about Conor McGregor, which could not it 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 made me wonder is in the back of Floyd and Leonard and Al Heyman's mind. We want to continue to be in the Conor McGregor business, and we want to be a co-promoter of any future events he puts on. Yeah, because Floyd's not going to completely go away. You may never see him compete again, but as a businessman, as an entrepreneur in combat sports, I mean, he's going to do more than own strip clubs. I mean, he's got to continue to to manage fighters. That gym's going to stay open. He's going to work with fighters. He's going to mentor fighters. You know, you may see him corner fighters. So he's going to, as a combat sports entrepreneur, Floyd Mayweather is going to continue to 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 be involved and be a presence felt, and he's got a ton of money. He's got a ton of money to invest in fighters, to invest in his business. And Al Heyman, I don't know if he'll ever find you know suckers uh, like he did for <laughs> the PBC, but he still has investment ties. There's still money behind him, so it's it will be interesting to see what Floyd Mayweather does with regards to MMA in the future and, and Leonard Ellerby being a part of that as well. You know, it, I, we talked about it on this show last year. I, I said that Connor should do whatever he can to get involved with Floyd Mayweather and the money team. And wouldn't, you know, he got involved, you know, with this fight as a promotion, but I, you know, I, at the time, my my recommendation was to get involved with him from a promotional standpoint, a management standpoint. It wouldn't surprise me if Mayweather and Connor formed a friendship and formed a business business partnership at some point down the line. I don't think they can do it right now with Connor being under contract to the UFC because the, the the pie is already split too many ways. But when you're looking at Connor's post UFC future or post current UFC contract future. One of the suitors for his services will more than likely be the money team. Mm-hmm. No, and and Showtime, you got you got to put them out there. I know you, you mentioned that on the last episode. Um, you, you you mentioned a little earlier. You know, there's there's a lot of people who oh, to- hold on. Here's here's one. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know, it was at the start of the show. You mentioned the Fight TV app being the digital home for the Triple G Canelo fight. We're seeing these streaming services get bigger and bigger. What's to stop Conor McGregor? McGregor, what was it? McGregor Promotions or McGregor? Sports and Entertainment. Sports and Entertainment. Or a Mayweather from buying the technology, buying the infrastructure, eliminating Showtime, eliminating Mm -hmm. HBO as the content distributor, and not only being the promoter of record themselves, but taking it to the next level of do-it-yourself. Uh, promotion 
and controlling the content distribution because you know you're seeing the pay-per-view distributor start to be phased out and, and that's a whole 50% of the pie now that comes back to the picture because as it stands now you go with the traditional pay-per-view you're splitting it 50-50 if you're lucky maybe 60-40 but that's a huge split to give to the cable companies the 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 streaming platforms from what i understand they take a it's a more favorable cut the online pay-per-view but if you actually own the technology yourself own the bandwidth own the streaming you're looking at almost 100% profit and I believe the Mayweather-McGregor fight was, if not the first time, one of the very first times that boxing is, has gone into this, where you know, you're behind a paywall on a, a digital service like they were with all the various platforms there. I think that I think it probably opened up the eyes to a lot of people of like, hey, there's, there's a lot of people out there that you know, have cut the cord or never even had the cord and sat there. They're, they're trying to find ways to, to, to legally watch this pay-per-view. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. But, you know, one of the, I think the storylines after the fact was the stoppage of this fight. Sam, I don't know about you. I had no issues with the stoppage. I had no issues with it at all. Connor was not throwing punches. You know, Paulie Malinaji, I think, had the time breakdown of how, long it was between punches how long connor went without throwing a punch not only that even bigger than that he wasn't intelligently defending himself yeah. he wasn't blocking those punches his guard was down i don't know if it was a situation where he was just being lazy or again the lactic acid was built up so much in his arms that he physically could not bring his arms up close enough to his face to block those punches but he was taking unfettered shots and i as i tweeted out the ref did connor the biggest favor in the world had Connor had that fight continued, Connor would have gotten knocked out and would have gone to the canvas. By preventing that image from ever taking place, no one has that B-roll now. That is not that image of Connor being knocked out and completely finished. That that image does not exist, and it preserved Connor's achievement in going ten rounds with Floyd. Had he got knocked out, um, you know, I think what was the comment that he said? You know, let, give the man a chance to to completely take me out or finish me. Had that actually really happened, that would have been the worst thing in the world for Connor, you know. And mm. and I, I I think it had that happened, I don't think anywhere near as many people would have said, "Oh, you know, he surprised us. We were impressed. He did a lot better than we thought." You know, I think you would have had a lot of people actually say, "Hey, you know, Floyd dumped those rounds and was letting Connor punch himself out just so he could knock him out." And you know, with the way it ended, Connor actually owes that referee a big thank you. You know, because one of the you know you mentioned about the fact that there's a lot of people who are watching you normally maybe they only watch MMA don't watch boxing and and one of our listeners had, had asked about that and asking if you know because of the, the stoppage did that need uh, for a return to having a standing eight count rule in effect I, I think that look you know Robert Bird who I, I thought you know was I thought helped helped Conor McGregor a lot in that fight when you looked at you know some of those shots to the back of the head because I was sitting there as I'm watching going at what point here's is he thing, taking Jason, a point? Jason, here's the thing though: you're not allowed to turn your back like that in a defensive position. That's not an intelligent defense. You're not allowed to do that in MMA or boxing. You cannot turn your back to an opponent in order to stop him from advancing and landing punches. No, no. And, even when they were clinched up, you know, and, and the fact if he was throwing, you know, McGregor was throwing those shots to the back of the head, uh, you know, yes. Bird warned that, him multiple times. And, and as I'm sitting there and I'm going, Connor, every point is extremely valuable for you, especially if this thing's going to go all 12 rounds. It, he did lose a point. I think was it the eighth or ninth round? I believe so. Yeah, I mean because he it, was it, he would. 
I think it was a ninth round that, that might have been the point might have been taken away. But um, you, you know, look, it's you know, I thought they gave Connor a lot of leverage in terms of this fight, but in terms of the standing eight count rule, I just don't think it really would have had any any effect on whether uh, you know, whether you know Robert Burr would have let the fight keep going. I didn't know the there there was no standing eight count in MMA and in, in boxing anymore. That 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 that's a revelation to me. Since when when did that happen? I, I'm not sure when it happened, but uh, you know the the listener mentioned that, um, and, and maybe it was in effect, or you know maybe even when they did the rules of the fight, maybe it noted that uh, I, I was not paying attention at, at that point. Um, but you know that leads into what's next for Conor McGregor. Uh, in terms of whether it's boxing or UFC, I think we can ultimately sit there and say Paulie is doing what he can to get Connor into a boxing ring. But the question asks if the if it's if it's a UFC, who does he fight, and most importantly, what will his payday look like in the UFC? I think no question. If it's in the UFC, it's Nate Diaz. That's that's really the only fight the UFC. I mean, if 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 you're Conor McGregor, Dana White calls you today. And says, hey, Connor, we want to get you back in the cage. You know, how soon? Who gets you excited? Who really, you know, you, you've just collected $30 million guaranteed and you've got tens of millions of dollars headed headed your way, headed to your mailbox, you know, in the form of a big fat check. You know, what what gets you up in the morning? What gets you excited to go back into the gym and, and fight in the octagon again? I mean, outside of Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz has so much leverage now. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, how much do you think he's going to get paid if he fights McGregor again? Because mm-hmm. who else do they have for, for McGregor? Maybe George St. Pierre. If St. Pierre beats Bisping, you know, you can do a super fight there. But outside of, of Nate Diaz or GSP possibly, what else is there? You can't. I mean, Dana White, a couple months back when he said, oh, Connor told me he wants to fight Khabib in Russia. I don't think those words ever came out of Connor's mouth. And if they did, that's the last thing he wants to do. What is that fight? You know, how much money could that fight possibly generate for Connor? Yeah. What, what is out there outside of Nate Diaz that can generate the type of money that would make it worthwhile for Connor to come back into the cage and more importantly, make it worthwhile for the UFC to change the dynamics of their con- contract with, with Connor. Yeah, I mean, there's not. I mean, there's a lot of fighters out there who want to fight Connor. You know, um, after the fact, you saw Jose Aldo's tweet of his emojis, which I'm sitting there going, "Dude, Connor knocked you out in 13 <laughs> seconds. I don't think you really have any way to, to talk." And then there was the RDA, R, uh, Rafael dos Anjos Instagram post where he wrote, "If you're not running away from the game, we still have unfinished business. You got huck- lucky." That I got hurt, you know, and saying how he owes him a fight. I'm like, first off, Connor doesn't owe you anything. You're the one who pulled out of the fight. You're looking for a red panty night. Let's let's just be you know real about that. Um, like RDA, it's like RDA. Forget about getting a fight with Connor. You're lucky to get a, a retweet from him. Yeah, I, how about you worry about fighting Neil Magny here in a couple weeks and not worrying about what's going on with Conor McGregor? <laughs> I mean, look, there, there's there's a lot of fighters who are going to want to fight. You know, I, I you know Khabib is is calling for a fight sometime in December, which I don't I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast last week. I know I talked about it on my regular podcast. Where did did you hear about how the whole interim title thing went down with Tony no. and, and Kevin Lee? So the UFC 
you know, gets gets Tony to say, hey, we want to do it. You and Khabib in New York for the interim title. Tony's like, all right, cool. I'm down. They call Khabib. Khabib says he's hurt. He can't fight it in New York on uh, November 4th. They're like, okay, all right. So they turn to Kevin Lee, and they make the matchup for uh, October 7th, UFC 216 in, uh, in Las Vegas. And then magically, all of a sudden, Khabib says he is healthy enough to fight. And Daniel White's response was, we've already moved on. I don't know why Khabib and his team think they have leverage on the UFC. I, I, it I is baffling to me because at this point you you haven't proved you can be you know someone who can move a, a pay per view needle at all. Um, I, I just it it's it's interesting to me when you know look there's only one fighter who has leverage with the UFC right now that's Conor McGregor. No, no, there's not another fighter who has leverage at all in the UFC. The question I have is, does Khabib really want to fight MMA ever again? Does he really want to get back into the octagon? I, I, I haven't seen it from him. Well, and Connor has, you know, he he noted after UFC 205, he's like, look, if I'm going to sign a contract to fight someone, I want to have some little clarification. This guy's going to show up on fight night, and look, history is not on Khabib's side with that. And who really who really wants to see Connor versus Khabib? People who, I don't know very many people clamoring for that fight. I, I think the people who think that uh, you know Khabib would you, use his wrestling to beat Connor. I mean, that'd be my guess. But is that a fight that gets Connor though, excited? Psychologically, psychologically, would Khabib even make it to the fight? I, I just, but it, it's like the point you just brought up. Does that really interest Connor McGregor? I don't think it does. I don't. Outside of Nate Diaz or GSP, after coming off a win over Bisping, possibly. What's out there? It, it goes back to what I said. I, I, I hate to repeat myself. I do it a number of times on the show, but does it excite the UFC? Because the UFC is going to have to change their financial dynamics with Connor. They're going to have to put give him more upfront money. They're going to have to give him a bigger cut of the pay per view, bigger than anything they've ever done for a fighter. I mean, it's it's a completely new ball game. And in order to to make those sacrifices, you can live with it because you can say we're going to generate more overall money at the end of the day. But in order to, to make that argument, you've got to have a fight that's huge, a fight that can really be a financial driver that can bring in the critical masses. And I think you have it with Nate Diaz. I don't think you have it with, with anyone else. I think the only way they could, outside of Nate Diaz or GSP, to, 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 to be able to foster a new challenger, a nemesis for Connor that would even be able to, to come close to, to standing on par with him. You know, anything that could be considered, uh, you know, a, a guy that could even enter the picture, the sentence of, of mega fight. The only way for that to happen, I think Connor would have to go away for a year, year and a half, maybe even two years and just retire. And in the vacuum, maybe someone will emerge and, and become the top dog. And then Connor, the, you have the storyline of Connor coming back to reclaim the throne. But, you know, Connor, being, you know, taking up so much of the spotlight and no one really, I just don't know if the UFC has the ability to, 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 to build up an, a challenger that could even come close to being remotely of major intrigue outside of Nate Diaz or GSP. I, it, it could maybe, maybe it's Justin Gaethje, maybe it's Kevin Lee, but if Connor's there, with the way the UFC promotes its fighters, could they ever reach their full potential when it comes to their star power? I mean, I think it's Gaethje, but 
let's be honest about it, if you're the UFC to build Gaethje up to get people just enamored with that fight in terms of the casual fans, you, I think you need at least a year to build him up. And, and unfortunately, with Justin, to, to make- it, but the problem with, with Gaethje's fighting style is, man, and he, he's going to get knocked out at some point, and yeah. it probably yeah. happens in the next year. I mean, it, it nearly happened in his UFC debut. I mean, so I, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, do you think his next fight's in the UFC or do you think it's in boxing? You know, a fight with Malinaji in a boxing ring, I think, could generate some money. Obviously, nowhere near the fight that we just saw, but it, it, it could, it could do well. I think the trash talk and the intrigue leading up to the fight, it, it could, do pretty good numbers, maybe, maybe even more than. Diaz versus McGregor. The, the, the problem is, though, it goes back to the dynamics of his UFC contract. It made sense for the UFC to go in and do this deal with Showtime because the, at the end of the day, the, the pot at the end of the rainbow was, was huge. The pot is a lot smaller now. So now you're going in to negotiations with Malinaji, and I believe his boxing rights are still with Showtime. I, obviously, he's a Showtime employee as an announcer, but I don't know who has his boxing rights. I know Showtime did at one point. Uh, he's retired now, so I don't know who has its rights, but let's say it's Showtime. Now you've got to go back in. And when you negotiated the, the, the first McGregor fight with Mayweather, you went in as the B-side, the obvious B-side. You went in with hat in hand, and you were humble. But now you're going into the negotiations, and you could make a strong case that McGregor is bigger than Malinaji, has a much larger mm-hmm. fan base. Why are we going to do this for you know? We took forty, we did a sixty forty split for Mayweather. That made sense. Forget about fifty fifty. Now we want the sixty forty. I just don't see Showtime and the UFC working together on a fight like that. I just think that the politics that we somehow alluded. For the McGregor Mayweather fight, I think they would come into play heavily for uh, McGregor versus Malinaji because we all know that there's no love loss between Showtime and and Dana White. I mean, that's a very I mean they have a long history and it's not a good history. So Malinaji, unless he was a free agent and he fought under the Zufa boxing banner and he signed a promotional contract with the UFC, I don't think the fight gets done. I think that's the only way is if he was a free agent promotionally and signed with the UFC. And, you know, if Connor wants to do boxing and the UFC, you know, doesn't want to start playing nice with, with other media companies, then they're going to have to start a boxing promotion and start grooming guys and building guys up for Connor to fight. And I don't know if they want to do that. You know, it's been a tough go of things for WME IMG since acquiring the, the, the UFC. I, I think the last thing they want to do now is invest in infrastructure for a totally different combat sport. Yeah, Even I mean, though there had been rumors in the past that they that Ari Emanuel did want to buy a boxing promotion, I don't know if they're in a financial position to do that now. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things, and this got brought up in a question that got asked to us, and I'm just going to kind of shorten down the question. It, it was talking about the rhetoric from the MMA media that if Conor produced a solid performance, win or lose, that would be a significant win for MMA. And and, the, and Dwayne writes that if our greatest and only super megastar is found to be compete, uh, competing in a boxing ring instead of the octagon, how on planet Earth is this uh, squared up as a win for MMA? And how does Dana White get held accountable for this worst case scenario? I mean, I, I got to think of your WME, IMG. I mean, you know, look, you, your long term plans are about, you know, pr- you know, promoting Conor McGregor fights. 
and then also the new television deal. I mean, you, you got to wonder if Connor walks away for the next year or two because you can't get him to a financial terms. You got to think, what's that mean for Dana White? Yeah, I don't think this did much for the UFC and MMA. I think it did a lot for McGregor, but outside of having revenue come in and being able to show a higher profit during a down pay-per-view revenue year, outside of having that money come in and boosting those pay-per-view revenue totals for the the fiscal year, outside of that, I don't think this did anything at all for the UFC because look at the undercard. There wasn't a single MMA personality on that fight card. Granted, you know, it would have been tough for them to do a full-on UFC fight in the ring because now you're taking away – from your brand, your brand identity. I mean, it's the octagon, and now you're having UFC contracted fighters fighting in a boxing ring. But let's say they could have got something worked out with Mayweather Promotions with their, when they were at the negotiation table and Showtime, and they were able to maybe do a couple fights on the undercard in a ring and call it, you know, Dana White's Contender Series. Mm-hmm. You know, because now at least you're promoting, you know, something UFC proprietary. You know, you're promoting Dana White's Contender Series, you're promoting Fight Pass. Yes, it's in a ring and not in a cage, but it's not a true UFC fight. You're signing some guys off the street and you're getting them some exposure. You're getting Dana White's, you know, Tuesday fight promotion, some exposure. You're getting fight pass, some exposure. And maybe you build up a couple guys that you can sign to full UFC contracts that get the rub that they didn't get. But nothing that was UFC proprietary outside of Conor McGregor was built up. I mean, they had ring girls for... Mayweather promotions that a couple of them kind of looked like Ariani, but you didn't even have UFC ring girls there from my, from my knowledge. There right. really wasn't much of a UFC presence. You saw Dana White, you saw Connor. That was about it. This was a Showtime Mayweather promotion. UFC had so, so little to do with this outside of maybe, you know, promoting the fight, you know, with Dana doing a lot of media spots and, you know, being available on Fight Pass. It's just proprietarily. I don't even know if that's a word. It just didn't do anything to promote the UFC, it put money in their pockets, but it potentially created a monster, created a financial structure now, a financial precedent that they may ne- may never ever be able to meet. Or at, at best, it's going to be tough for them to get Connor to come back to the table now. Dana White probably did more media for this fight than he's done all year. Yeah. Well, they needed it because they had a significant chunk of this pay-per-view and a big reason for them agreeing to something like this in the first place, even though it, it wasn't an obvious benefit to them, was it, – it, 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 that was. It is a down paper, pay-per-view year for them. They needed this revenue on the books to, to, to boost it and, and satisfy a lot of their investors because you know, that's what they sold the investors on. You know, the WME, IMG, when they brought in all these angel investors, all these people to help fund this transaction – you know, the pay-per-view revenue totals, that was a huge selling point. And it's tough to go back to them, showing them what the numbers were in 2016, how good they were in comparison to 2017, which is a, a, a precipitous drop. You know, of course, uh, you know, we, uh, we're, as we start to kind of wrap up this podcast, uh, got to mention the John Jones situation. We, we, what was your initial thought when you saw that come down? Disbelief. Surprised, but not surprised. And you asked a really good question when we were DMing back and forth. You know, why was it the post weigh-in test in which he got flagged? Where, why didn't he get flagged for an USADA test? And it, somebody pointed this out on Twitter. I forget who it was. It was a really good point, a really good link that they uh, pointed to. 
Jeff Nowitzki was quoted as saying in the past that there are so many potential substances, illegal substances for an athlete to take. There's They can't test for all of them mm-hmm. at once, that they have to basically rotate what they test for because I guess the urine sample isn't extensive enough to, to, to spread out and do so many individual tests for these different substances. So the actual substances that they test for are random at times. So it's possible that whatever he was using or whatever was in his system leading up to this fight, even though he was taking tests, the actual specific substance that he was using, it was it, that that wasn't being tested. The, the other possibility that I thought of, Jason, and this goes back to another thing that Jeff Nowitzki has said in the past, other big sports leagues, they publish a what's known as a approved substance list. They tell their athletes – these supplements, these substances, they've been tested. We've done the homework. They're okay to use. Nowitzki doesn't do that. He had They have a banned substances list, but they don't endorse any substance as being okay, any substance, uh, any supplement as being okay to use. And the point that he's made, and I've heard other people make it, is because there's no consistency often in which the, 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 the supplement is produced. So, for instance, for argument's purposes, let's say there's a substance called Biogenics Metrics X. And there's a certain ingredients that uh, ingredient list that they use to make this substance, but they run out of the ingredient. Uh, uh, they run out of one specific ingredient, and they have purchase orders with GNC and all the major distributors. The trucks are scheduled to come out, and they've got to have a batch ready to go. But they fell short of this one ingredient, so they go out, and because it's not regulated by the FDA, they can go out and bring in a new ingredient that's not listed, that isn't part of the usual composition. Of the of the, uh, the supplement, and they bring that in, and oftentimes that's the tainted supplement. So there are certain things like you go out and you buy, um, what's what's what is it? What was what was the substance that McGuire used? Andrusine was using. Andrusine, that right there is a tainted substance. You buy anything that's called Andro, it's going to show up as a steroid when you get steroid tested. There's certain substances out there that you could that that don't have any uh, banned substances in it traditionally, but it's because it's not produced the same way consistently all the time, a certain batch could be bad. You know, Andrew all the time is going to be bad, but certain things, certain uh, supplements that are out there, because they're not regulated by the FDA, because they're not closely monitored, they can bring in something for one specific batch, a one-time creation of, 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 of that supplement, of that gel pill, that has something that's not normally in there, but that's in it for that one specific batch that comes out and makes the the supplement contaminated and causes someone to test positive without them knowing what they put into their body. I mean, that's how unregulated and crazy mm-hmm. the su- the supplement industry is. And I'm not an expert on this. I, you know, a lot of what I get is just from secondhand sources. There's a great documentary out there if you want to educate yourself a little bit on it. I think it's called. I think it's on Netflix. It's called Bigger, Faster, Stronger. This will t- show you exactly how something like this potentially, and I, I'm stressing potentially, I'm not saying I believe John Jones and his camp because they've given us a lot of reasons over the years not to trust them, but it's very possible that the reason why, at least one of the possibilities, the reason why he didn't get flagged by USADA and suddenly uh, was flagged for that post-weigh-in test it's because he could have been using a certain supplement consistently during his camp, ran out, popped open a new bottle that came from a different batch previous from the, the, the other bottle that he'd been using, a, a new batch 
same supplement, same same brand, but a different batch of that, and the new bottle could have had the the batch that was contaminated. The thing I, I said on my show last week, when it comes to John Jones, and, and look, he he's you know we we should him you know he, he's going to go through the due process, but the problem is because of his past situation, it is tough to give him the benefit of the doubt in this one. The the second part, which you know it. it if John was a mid-card guy, I can understand why he would not have the financial resources to go out there and get everything he is taking tested. But when you're making the millions of dollars that John Jones is doing, how are you just, you know, living on this? I hope nothing's banned in this substance and taking it because if you heard Malky Kawa on Ariel Hawani's show, you know they're they're pointing towards the the tainted supplement defense, which I, I one of the, every time I hear the tainted supplement defense, my my thing is if you find the supplement that has that tainted supplement, it should be part of you. You have to disclose what that is and let everyone know what that is. But I, I think you know to come to John's defense here a little bit. One of the things that is an issue we have seen this be an issue in the past. It sounds like John Jones found out via the media of this failed test, and that is not the way this system should work. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the provisional suspensions being told to the media. I, I think that um, from the fighter's aspect, I think it should be waited until we go through the entire process. But it, it's almost like the UFC was in a rush to get this news out there because I can't firmly say they leaked the news to TMZ, but it really looks that way. It's and I don't understand why there is a rush to basically bury your fighters. I think in this case, maybe they didn't want to bury him, but I think maybe they were fearing the specter of this leaking out closer to the McGregor Mayweather fight. And I think once they knew about it, if, if it that's assuming if it's true that they did leak it, if if they did leak it. That I think the motive potentially could have been, hey, we know about this now. It's going to get out. We want it. To, we want to get it out as soon as possible, and as far as we, uh, away from the McGregor Mayweather fight as we possibly can. But remember, these statements that get released are not from USADA. It is just the UFC releasing these statements. USADA does not comment on any of this unless the fighters' camp comes out and notes it. And it's interesting because why is it being done this way in MMA? You make a great point, Jason, because the other pro sports, especially the NFL, the the, the athlete is notified and, and oftentimes the appeal is even conducted privately Correct. before it's even announced. Correct. So you, the NFL is the biggest sport in the world, if not one of the biggest. I'm sure people are going to make the argument that, that European that, – that football, soccer – is bigger globally, you know, the, the NFL is just big here in the U S but the, the NFL is a juggernaut. They're setting the standard. They're doing it this way. Why are you not following in their footsteps? There are more senior sports league than the UFC. They've been around a lot longer. They've been doing things a lot longer. They're a lot bigger. Why wouldn't you emulate some of the things that they're doing when it comes to their substance abuse policy? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, in NFL that is the way it works. Is it's till the entire process is played out because, you know, what what happens if you know you put a provisional sp- suspension out there, and and what happens if the fighter wins in an arbitration case? You know, everyone's still going to label them a, a cheater, even if they they beat it. So it's it's kind of I don't. I don't understand the process, and, and if Malky is correct in the fact that John found out via a, you know, a media story about this, 
something has to be done. And I think this once again goes in the case of if fires are ever going to band together, this is a reason to uh, band together. And I remember when I saw the initial uh, you know, agreement that each fighter had to sign, it noted that you couldn't sue USADA. So we'll see, uh, you know, but as I said, I think it's just tough to give uh, John the, the benefit of the doubt there. But, uh, you know, Dana White, you know, he's not jumping on the, hey, we're, we're taking the title away here. Um, if you're, I can't even imagine what went through Dan Cormier's mind when he gets a phone call on this. It, and, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of this is psychological with John Jones because knowing what he went through the first time and knowing how good of an athlete he is and, and seeing it in his pedigree and, and his bloodlines, two of his brothers play in the NFL. Does John Jones really need to take the risk and put this crap into his body? Why does he believe after what he went through that it's worth the risk to whether it's straight up street steroids or performance enhancing drugs or whether it's a supplement that he didn't know contained some dirty stuff? Why is he even chancing it? That's... Why why is he afraid to go you know rely on his athleticism, rely on world class training and use nutrition because when you're at the level of John Jones and you have that financial means, a lot of the, the, a lot of, first of all, a lot of the supplements out there don't do anything. They don't do anything near what they're advertised to do for you. The ones that do work, it's for people like me that are lazy. I, the only supplements I use are glucosamine and fish oil. And I do that for joint health, you know, helping you get through workouts from day to day. So there's not a lot of soreness, but part of that is, is laziness because I'm too lazy to make a green smoothie every morning, <laughs> but you laugh at it, but a lot, a lot of what I need, a lot of what people need is athletes or people that just work out like I do, you know, you, you, if they would just, you can get a lot of what you need through just basic, good nutrition, healthy eating, disciplined eating and supplements that do work. They're just, they're, they're just because you're lazy. And you know, if John Jones ate the right way, relied on sports science and, 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 you know, he wouldn't need to, to spend money and take the risk to, to put these supplements in his body. A lot of it's crap to begin with. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, and you know, it makes you wonder, is there a common denominator somewhere in his team? You know, I, I don't know if there is or not, but, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's psychological. He believes he needs this. I would say this, you know, Sam, when I saw the tweet last Tuesday night, I was like, I was like, okay. My first thought was, someone has made a fake TMZ sports account, yeah. and they're getting us all. Then I looked at it. I'm like, nope, that is the verified account for TMZ sports. I and, and, and true story, Sam. I had already recorded my M Airport podcast. I recorded earlier that day. It wasn't going out till the next morning. And I was like, well, might as well throw that show in the garbage because uh, I got to redo a new show. You know, but yeah. uh, I, I read that tweet. But, the, you know, another thing I want to throw at you, Jason, I want to get your thoughts on it. You know, we've seen guys who were mid-level guys and two guys I'll use as, as examples, Mike, uh, as examples, Mike Richmond and Shell Sonnen. They're mid-level guys. Suddenly they, they hit a new level and they become, you know, top level guys within their promotion. They get busted. 
they they forced to take some time away. They come back and they're not the same guy. I like Mike Richmond a lot, you know, and I respect him a lot. But the reality is, he he wasn't the same guy when he came back after the suspension. And how much do you attribute attribute that to, you know, cage rust or not by not being able to use performance enhancing drugs? He's nowhere near the same guy. With John Jones, is this a case where a lot of his success is it could be attributed to performance enhancing drugs, or is this a case where he's he's a super athlete? And whether or not it's a tainted supplement or a true performance-enhancing drug really has no impact, and he is as great as we all thought he was. I mean, I think you know people right now they're going to look at John Jones and they're just going to assume he's a cheater. So let's say he gets suspended, and let's say it's not for four years; it gets reduced to two years. Spends two years on the sidelines, comes back, and is so heavily tested that he pulls a Lane Johnson. And says, you know what, I'm done with these supplements. I'm not putting anything into my body besides food. And he comes back, you know, after a two-year layoff. Does he come back a top-level guy or is he a mid-level fighter? I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I, really, I really don't know. I mean, that's, you know. And it would, and it would be great to, to, to sit John Jones down and find out what is the truth. And, you know. The problem is, no matter what he would say, anything short of him saying yes, you know, I, I use, you know, anything short of him pulling a Chael Sonnen and just owning up to it, or, or a Mike Richmond saying yes, I was doing performance enhancing drugs. Anything short of that, whether it's the truth or not, who's going to believe it? I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's like you know, because you saw the arbitration hearings are, are closed to the public, like you almost. You would love to hear his testimony and how he defends himself in this one. Um, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you are responsible for mm-hmm. what goes into your body, tainted or Correct. not, un- unknowingly tainted or not. You have to be held accountable for what you put into your body, for yeah. what's present in your body. And and that's something I said last week. At the end of the day, he, you know, you can blame a bottle for all this, but at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself in the mirror because you were the one who put that in your body. You know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we did get a question related to the light heavyweight title. Well, one other thing, I'm going to say okay. this. I think you know, if I'm, this is speculation on my part, but as a prediction, I think that the suspension does get reduced. I don't think he's going to sit out for four years. I think it, it get, I think it'll get down to a two year suspension. I think no, I think he's Sam, come back. two years is the minimum. Well, I the maximum's four though, isn't it? Yeah, the maximum's four, but in reality, so most people think it's going to be a two year suspension. I think it's going to be a two year suspension. I think he's going to come back, and I don't think he's going to look anywhere near the guy that he once was. Yeah, I mean that's that that's ultimately the big. Uh, the big question mark with him, but I mentioned that question related to light heavyweight title, uh, asking if it was bad to prefer Volkan Olzemir versus Gustafsson have DC uh, Gustafsson for light heavyweight title. Um, I, I don't think it's bad to prefer that way just because we've already seen Gustafsson versus Cormier, even though I think that's a route they will, will, will go. I mean, Volkan Olzemir, you, you saw this guy in Bellator. No one would have thought he put on this kind of run. It's, It's... Okay, it's okay to root for it if you believe that John Jones took a supplement that was tainted on an isolated basis and it really had no impact on his performance and that he's truly better than DC and DC's just not good enough. But if you believe that John Jones is straight up popping peds, 
shooting stuff up, you know, taking pills, you know, in performance enhancing drugs, then you have to question his legacy and you have to question those wins over Daniel Cormier. And you have to say that, you know, Daniel fought the, the, his fights against Jones on the level. And what happened to him was pretty screwed up. And, you know, he did he shouldn't have lost the title that way. And he deserves every opportunity to compete for it. But if you're of the mind that, hey, John Jones really didn't get any kind of benefit because it was just a an isolated tainted supplement, then yeah, I don't I don't want to see Daniel Cormier back in the the light heavyweight picture. I want to see some new blood in there. I want to see Gustafsson and Vulcan get that shot and get in the picture. And you know, if DC wants to continue, he'd he'd have to work his way up. But you know, there, there's no easy answer to it. I know I'm kind of hedging back and forth there, but because we don't know the truth, we don't know how legitimate Jones's dominance over Cormier has been. Yeah, you I mean, just don't know. We have to wait for the entire Jones situation to to play out to see. But we may never know. We yeah. may never know, Jason. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think for the UFC, I mean, that it's it's a it's a major blow because John Jones was was the other guy in in the UFC besides Conor McGregor that had the ability to to move the the needle in terms of that, and um, it's unfortunate. You know, you know, I always talk about how the UFC's got to make. Pay-per-view is great again. We got asked about UFC 215 and UFC 216. The question saying, uh, you know, to the, this listener that they both look weak, and it's I would agree with that statement. You know, I look at both those fight cards, and you know, there, there's quality fights on those fight cards, but are are there fights that are going to get people to automatically sit at home? On a Saturday night, especially during college football season, Sam. I mean, look, you know, I mean, DJ's one of the, you know, it, you know, the best pound for pound fighter there is out there, probably. Um, but are people going to sit there and you know sit home on a Saturday night, you know, here in two weeks and and watch him fight Ray Borg? Probably not. Um, you know, and, and the co-main event is Nunez and Shevchenko. Um, and then UFC 216. We don't even know what the main event is for that one yet. Um, we do know we have the interim title fight on there, but, uh, you know, really, I, I don't think either one of those cards are, I think they're just going to be your regular UFC pay-per-view buy rate. Product is too saturated and we're going to really see how bad things are for the UFC because you have all these cards spread out. You have so many shows and you don't have Connor. You don't have Ronda. You don't have John Jones and you don't have Brock Lesnar readily, readily available to headline these shows. My, my attitude right now towards the UFC is wake me up when GSP and Bisping fight. Let me ask you this. I know you're a big wrestling guy. Brock Jones headlines WrestleMania. I don't know if, I think they control his, his wrestling rights. I don't think John Jones can do that unless he's cleared to by the UFC. And, and can the UFC clear him to do something like that while he's under a OSADA suspension? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, you know, you, you got to think that'd be something Vince would try to make. I, I, I don't know if that's something Vince was interested in from a wrestling perspective. I think that it was something that the UFC was more interested in that Brock and John Jones at their camps were interested in doing as a legitimate fight in the octagon. I don't know how excited Vince McMahon gets for the prospect of doing Brock Lesnar, John Jones at WrestleMania. It might be something that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are excited about because they're a little more progressive and they are MMA fans. But Vince, you know, he's he's really up there in years and he uh, is really old school. He might be of the mindset of it's who really knows who John Jones is, even though the world knows who John Jones is. If Vince doesn't think John Jones is a big deal because he's not a pro wrestler, 
he's not going to put the money up to make that fight that make make that bout happen. I just saw they signed one of the American Ninja Warriors, one of the female ones. And that's that's Triple H and that's Stephanie McMahon. They're pulling talent resources. They're pulling talent from all different genres of, of athletics, whereas Vince is a lot more closed minded. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see how the WWE has progressed. You know, you have progressive thinkers and Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, but you still have a guy like Vince that's so old school that he's really holding back the growth of a lot of, of new stars. They're not able to create new stars because of Vince's, you know, outdated mentality. But, you know, you're seeing, you know, Triple H, he has a lot of control over NXT and that product and the developmental system. He doesn't have as much control over the main show, the Raw and SmackDown. Vince still has, you know, the most power there. But you're seeing Shayna Baszler. You know, she's in the May Young oh, tournament yeah. for NXT pro wrestler. And there's rumors that Ronda has done some training at the NXT uh, developmental center. And that when after her marriage, after after the wedding, after her honeymoon, there's there are rumors. I've talked to people that said once that's done and she comes back, that she may start training pro wrestling full time. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that does take place. Uh, let's leave on this note. What's uh do we got any spots left in the uh, MA Insiders Fantasy Football League? Nope. It's a 14-team league. We had 13 of the owners renew, so we only have one new owner. That invitation went out. Unless we have someone drop out last minute, I don't I, you know, we're we're completely booked. Uh, you know, if you if you wanted to get into the football league and you're a basketball fan, the one thing I can tell you is we're gonna do a fantasy basketball league. So there could be, you know, even though you're not involved with the football league this year, there could be an opportunity for you to play some fantasy hoops with us. Is is your fantasy team going to be named? Uh, what's what's it? Embrace the process. Trust the process. Oh, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. You 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 need to learn that phrase because the Orlando Magic they need to start the process. Look, we've got a lot of talent. I just don't know if we can put five guys on the court in five different <laughs> positions. Oh, it's been rough watching Orlando Magic play the past couple of years. It's been rough, but uh, Sam, college football. The Bucks, you know what? The Bucks could be good. And the Bucks, I think, will be good. Yeah, we we uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out. Uh, we're uh, we're two weeks away from the regular season, Sam. It's crazy. I, I've been enjoying the Bucks on uh, Hard Knocks. Oh yeah, it's, I think they're uh, there's some very entertaining personalities on that team, especially <laughs> on the d- defensive side of the football. Chris Chris Baker is a uh, is definitely oh he's a, uh, he's crazy he's his, crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I know. On this week's episode, it's uh, the 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 team pranks each other where they're in the the big team meeting room, and uh, so that's on there. I've I've enjoyed it. Um, obviously, you know, I know a lot of these guys on the team as it is, and uh, it's uh, it, it's been interesting to kind of see how Hard Knocks uh, films a show. I will say that it's been it's been some very of these guys though on the Bucks. Some of these guys they eat like crap. <laughs> they, like they after the one preseason game, they showed I forget who it was. He's eating Rice Krispie treats in the locker room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, million dollar athletes eating Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, I'm trying to think what game. I'm trying to think what our post game meal was in Cincinnati. Jacksonville was barbecue. I, I remember that. It's a, I, I see the food that the Bucks, you know, that they eat at the team functions. It doesn't seem like it's the healthiest. No, they they've got a they there's a nutritionist there. And, okay. Uh, right. So it's right. it's uh, you know, I'm used to Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly was in Philly. He made everybody drink smoothies. Yeah, yeah. There's and he got rid got rid of all the crap food out of the caf- cafeteria. And it was all 
high functioning superfood and smoothies. And now he's jobless. That's true. That is true. Of course, he could end up at Ole Miss. That's where he might. He could end up there. I think it. Uh, what's uh, Buddy Stevens? I think Buddy Stevens should get that job. Oh man! Did you see? <laughs> did you see? Uh, they, doing they, a, they lost. Yeah, they lost the show. Yeah, they're going to some school in Kansas. Yeah. And you, but, and you, you know why? You know why the producers of the show did that? You know why they did that? Because the first season, they they you know they ignored the cameras and they treated everyone with respect. This past season, I mean, they were going after the cameraman. Yeah, that's. I, I was reading an article. I don't know, a week or two ago, where they were talking about that. Because, uh, you know, one of the things they noted is that the school has no say in the editing process, which is amazing to me, Sam. That Not a school to would it's agree a, a, to that. It's a Division three school. How much leverage do they have at the end of the day? They they want that exposure. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question ultimately comes is how much, does a, how much of a check does Netflix, you know, give to the school? I don't think it's that big of a check. I think Buddy Stevens and his ego... I think he liked feeling like a star, and I think it brought a lot of prestige to that school. And you know, I, I, they were already recruiting a lot of top-level division guys that have uh, that had uh, flunked out. Not maybe flunked out is not the right word. Had but they issues kind of, uh, at other schools. Right. Had issues. Had issues. Um, but I think it you know made them even more prominent, and and you know made it even more glamorous to go to that school. You know, Buddy Stevens at one point this summer was quoted saying, you know, he really didn't know if he wanted the cameras to be back. And then about a month later, did a complete about face, did a complete 180, because I think he saw that he might lose that spotlight and he actually lost that spotlight. So I think he's uh, kind of regretting some of the stuff that he may have said and done, because I think he liked having those cameras there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that part of his thought process was to use that to get a bigger job. I'm sure yeah. that's what it was. But yeah. by the way, if you want to see uh, Last Chance U in Division One football, half that roster apparently is at Ford Atlantic with Lane Kiffin. So <laughs> even some of the coaches are with Lane Kiffin down yeah, there. I think the coaching staff just got in a room, watched that Netflix show, and said, we're going to sign that guy. We're going to get that guy. You know, We're not, we're not going to travel around the country. We're just going to watch Netflix and sign a bunch of guys. Yeah, that that's you know, I mean, I mean, hey, it's it's a great way to kind of find out about what these kids' stories are, and because obviously a lot of them had a uh, very issue. But I, I tell you what, I like season one much more than I like season two of Last Chance You. Did, uh, did DeAndre Johnson is he going to uh, FAU? Yes, he is. I believe he's Should their starting quarterback. He can play. The kid can play. Oh yeah, yeah, the kid can kid can play. Uh, Wouldn't course, be surprised if we see him in the NFL. Look, if Joe Mixon can make it to the NFL, DeAndre there's, DeAndre Johnson should have that opportunity if he keeps his uh, if he you know stays on the right side of the law. But I will tell you, I'm looking forward to college football coming this weekend. Of course, if you're a college football fan, we've got Landry football that uh, goes every Tuesday and Thursday here on RadioInfluence.com. Also, we have Yards and Stripes, which is a football podcast strictly devoted to the three military um, football programs, Army, Navy, and Air Force. So you can be sure to check out that. So we've got a ton of, of Buccaneer coverage well, with Ian Beckles within the trenches. He also talks about NFL and college football and his football podcast as well. So be sure to check all those out on on radioinfluence.com. Sam, as always, uh, enjoy talking MMA with you, and we'll talk soon. See you then. Follow Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan on Twitter. Find them at Jason underscore Floyd and at Sam Kaplan MMA. This is the MMA Insiders Podcast on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you 
for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 